everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Amarsi Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adel Amarsi, and today I've got a really cool guest for you guys. His name is uh, Yaakov, uh, or I could probably butcher your name. Dude, how do I say your surname? I'm not going to have an attempt to say your surname right now. Savitsky. Savitsky. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yep. cool. So, like... Now you you and I have actually met through uh, our mutual friend Seth uh, Weinstein, who's pretty awesome. You know, I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Really cool dude, and he he mentioned you. He was like, "Dude, you need to speak to this guy. You guys need to get on the phone because he'll be hilarious to have on the phone and stuff." Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. So just a real quick heads up to anyone else listening to this that's actually interested. Uh, as always, go check out adlamarchi.com for, for our other episodes because we're sponsored, obviously, by myself. And today's episode is sponsored by linkedleads.us forward slash quiz. And that is your site, right? That's right. So that's a version, a portion of my site. People can go there and they can take a free quiz. And a lot of people, when they take the quiz, they're surprised to find what the quiz says their LinkedIn profile because there's a lot of misconception around it. So that's linkleads.us slash quiz, place where you can go and you can see how your profile stacks up against the competition. Oh, that's pretty cool. So like you primarily get leads from LinkedIn then? Uh, I I use a combination. You know, as much as I say that I'm a LinkedIn expert, I'm a LinkedIn guy and I primarily do get them from LinkedIn. I combine it with Facebook too and I, you know, marketing as a whole, to me, I see marketing as utilizing multiple platforms. Anyone who says just, you know, take the one magic pill is full of it. Yeah, I agree. There's so many different platforms out there today. Why would you only use one? Yeah, I mean, you'd be, you'd be cutting yourself short. At the same time, you want to go to an opportunity-rich environment, to a place where you can be in front of the people who are actually going to want to be able to do business with you and the people who are actually capable of doing business with you. And for that, there's really no better place than LinkedIn. Agreed. I mean, there's always, again, it's knowing your market market audience. So if you're actually specifically targeting, say, people that are in social circles and looking to lose weight and stuff, Facebook's a little bit better for that. You're targeting businesses. LinkedIn seems a little bit like the better place to be. So my question really here is, how the hell did you get started? I mean, um, from what I've gathered, you're a pretty young guy. I am. You know, I'm one of the you know, young. I think young is the way that we live. I think age. I always say is one of the most overrated parts of being a person. You know, Agreed. because there's people out there who are very young at heart and people who are very old at heart and some people have given up on themselves unfortunately and some people are just you know starting out again so when we talk about age and how young we are like from when i was born to now if that's your version of age, it's been about half years to be to be specific now how did i get into linkedin well you know to make a long story short i always knew that i wanted to be in business there was always something about marketing and sales that really sparked my interest and it was something that really really intrigued me so i come from that generation being young like you said we're the first generation to have social media and just to give you give you some insight into that you know, when I was I was on MySpace, first of all, when I was like 13, 14 years old, you know, a real youngster, I was so in that MySpace time, and I used to use MySpace to try to be social in middle school and hit on girls. And then <laughs> Facebook came along. I got on Facebook when I was, you know, going into my fresh freshman year of high school, pretty much, and I wasn't really 
really back then thinking about using it for marketing. I was just, again, thinking about it to be social and maybe even hit on girls. And that was uh, how I started using social media. So social media is normal to me. Like my generation, people who are my age and a little bit older, a little bit younger, social media has become just so highly normal. So I've grown up with social media. As far as how I got into LinkedIn, I went to what they, in the UK, what they would call uni. And in the US, it's called university, college, yeah. yeah. All interchangeable. So I went to one of those schools. I went to the school in the state of Georgia. And for anyone, if you haven't been to the U.S. and I don't know, have you been to the U.S.? Uh, I have. I've actually. I've got a few friends. Did you go to Georgetown or did you go to? Like, what was the university that you went to? So I went to. I went to the school called Georgia Southern University. Most people don't know it. It's no. in. It's yeah. <laughs> it's in the state of Georgia, and if you know anything about the southeast United States, it's a very there are very rural parts of it. So this school was about four hours south of Atlanta. Atlanta is the capital of Georgia, and Atlanta is more of a, a bigger city. This this place was out in the middle of nowhere, man. It was out in uh, what I like to call Hicksville, right? It's this little <laughs> college town. Just not a lot of real small town thinking, real rural kind of country place, right? So that's where I went to school. I like to refer to it as the Harvard of Southern Georgia because <laughs> if you look at all the other colleges, all the other opportunities in Southern Georgia, that school really does look like a Harvard. <laughs> so wow. needless to say, we had about 20,000 students. And when I got there, you know, I, of course, I stuck out like a sore thumb because I'm not very Southern. I'm not very, you know... A, of that rural breed and where I was going with that you know when I was when I was a student one thing one of the professors told us that you have to get on LinkedIn you have to get on LinkedIn so they talked about LinkedIn as being this big formal important thing and reluctantly you know because we all have that little bit of rebelliousness I uh, it took me a little while I got onto LinkedIn when I was in school I was part of something called a fraternity uh, when I was in, in school and so um to make a long story short, I started realizing that, man, all these people will, connect, will accept my connection request on LinkedIn, even though I'm a student at the Harvard of Southern Georgia. So I started connecting with all these CEOs, um, business level executives, and who were part of that fraternity. And one thing led to another. The first time I made money on LinkedIn was when I connected with a CEO. He and I had a conversation. I did some things for his company. And that's when I started to realize, wait a minute, I can essentially go from a cold list from cold people who I don't even know to building relationships. And that's really when I started tapping into LinkedIn. So, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah, dude, um, surprisingly, I think you and I, I'm, I think I'm only a couple of years older than you. Um, like, so, yeah, like, how old are you again? Like, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're 24, 23, 24? 20 turn 24 at the end of the year wow damn dude that's yeah because i'm turning 28 this year so i was like damn but no i definitely get it i mean um especially with like how linkedin actually built up very quickly and it's one of those social selling store uh, selling tools that far too tough far too few businesses use correctly i mean you get cold emails sent out all the time and no one really wants to build a relationship with you anymore it's like hey can i uh can i just sell you something which never really works Mm. <laughs> so yeah so actually like kind of jumping off of that really like what really kind of like took your interest in marketing because like um, myself personally I'm kind of like that kid that just kind of grew up on marketing and sales and writing direct response seemingly since forever um, so like my whole thing was just inbred in me and just kept in me the entire time so what was it that really like influenced you was it family was it just the idea of always having the money or what was it that actually drove you 
There wasn't family. No one in my family, you know, when it comes to my family, we moved over from a country called Lithuania, which is on the eastern border of Russia. Oh, I know and we came Lithuania is. Yeah, so I was, I was there for a whole 18 months, man. So I, it's not like I remember it and it's not, I call myself a quasi-immigrant because... <laughs> Besides, besides having an unusual name and being born in a different country, there's really not much immigrant about me. Of course, my parents was a little bit different. So they went through the whole immigrant experience and that arguably strengthens character. And it's one of those things that is definitely something that not a lot of people go through. So I was in the unique position where I was the first in my immediate family to do a lot of things. I was the first in my immediate family to take the driving test in the U.S., for example. I was the first in my immediate family to graduate from a U.S. high school. I was the first in my immediate family to graduate from a U.S. college. And so I'm really the first person in my immediate family to live life here. And so I think that was was part of the driving factor where you know I was always a little bit different and there was always that motivation behind it. And I always, I've always had this, this interest in influence. I think influence is a good word and it's something that's always fascinated me. The ability to be able to influence people and communicate effectively with people. I grew up, you know, I was deathly shy, terribly shy kid and aspect of influence that there was to intentionally be able to influence another person and do it in a way that comes across as genuine and really um, is the best thing for both parties. I think that's that's what initially sparked my interest in the whole field of marketing and sales. And I just want to be clear. I think it's, you know, because some someone out there might take that out of context or you know, we're talking about the subject of influence. I think it's the most ethical thing you can do for someone is help influence them to make the right decision. I think and you know, Glad to hear your thoughts on this, too, because some people say that there's something unethical about influence or that there's a gray area. I would say the exact opposite. I would say if you're not using this art of influence, whether it's through marketing, sales, your words, you're influencing somebody either way. And if you want to help them make the best decision or really create a win-win scenario, and if you don't do it as effectively as you can through your sales and marketing, then you're doing them a major disservice. Oh, I agree massively. Like the thing that I always have with my uh, with my business and everything else that we do is quite simple. Um, and it's actually the subject of a book I'm writing right now called The Alchemy of Persuasion. And nice. the whole key area here is to understand what the difference between influence and persuasion is. So influence is the idea of using like if you just live in the world of influence and influence only, that's great. But what you're gonna be doing is relying on a very, very small set of weapons. And when I say weapons, it's more or less like strategies, tools, you know, reciprocation, um, giving everyone the full picture of what they're getting, that kind of thing. So it's great. It's it's absolutely ethically perfect. In fact, if you abuse it, you're actually abusing it quite badly, and that's called manipulation because influence is to gain the benefit for the other person. So it's like a benefit for the other person. Everyone's happy. Everyone wins. Whereas manipulation is the benefit for sole purpose and person only. So if I manipulated you, I'd be the only one that's reaping rewards and it would be really, 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 well, sly. It wouldn't be, no one would really like you. You'd be the guy that everyone hated. Um, whereas, you know, influence everyone loves you because you've actually got them to do something great. Like for instance, uh, did you play sports at all at school when you were growing up? A tad bit. I played a little bit of basketball. Fair enough. What was your what position? I'm six foot five, so I always played forward or center. Nice. That's pretty cool. I used to always play point guard and shooting guard, but like um, 
my my decision to be that was influenced because I watched Space Jam as a kid. And I freaking love Michael Jordan. So, um, you know, grew up watching all that kind of stuff, doing all that great stuff. So that was a positive impact. Now, if someone says to you, like, uh, my friends are drinkers and smokers, well, guess what? They influence you too, but they influence you to do some of this negative. So that's actually a form of manipulation through peer pressure. Now, if you do something that's in the gray area, which is essentially um, what I call persuasion, it's where you rely on both areas of persuasion and uh, you rely on both areas of just like persuasion and or influence and uh, manipulation in order to get your point across. So you use some bad, quote unquote, bad stuff and a lot of good stuff in between. So for instance, the idea of fear of loss, such as if you don't do this now, you'll lose out. That can be seen as quite manipulative, whereas in reality, it's quite persuasive. Make sense? Or am I just like completely losing you here? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my thoughts on it. So have you read any like books that you really, really liked about the area of marketing, sales, influence, that kind of thing? Yeah, I've read a lot of them into um, continue what you're saying as well before I'll give us some of those titles, definitely. Um, I, I agree with you on the great line between influence and persuasion. And at the same time, I've come up with this concept that I've really here's my framework for it. Now, I call it the law. Right. And it's really all it means is these are the best practices that I'm committed to applying. And I've had a lot of times where I know something is the best practice. And I've said, "Eh, you know what? I this doesn't apply to the situation or maybe thinking that hey, maybe uh, I won't do the best practice for whatever reason. And that's always come back to make things a little bit more difficult. And so understanding those frameworks and having everything fundamentally sound couldn't be more important, whether it's in a sales conversation, whether that's in a follow-up, whether it's in writing direct response copy, um, whatever the case may be, whether it's an in-person interaction, once you start to understand what the best practices are, especially with the context of that situation, that's where that really becomes the law and you're banking on probabilities you're banking on statistics essentially so without geeking out too hard here you're you're understanding the human behavior the psychology behind it and you're saying that this is based on these numbers based on the likelihoods this is the best course of action this is what will be most influential and most persuasive so that's the concept that I've really started to understand and realize and I try to use that as a compass for you know, a lot of the best practices or, you know, which strategy or which tactic to use in a given situation. And uh, I like to say no one's really above the law because we're all human. Yep. Agreed. So much there. Now, feel free to geek out, by the way, because anything that actually has to do with this stuff, I freaking love. Good. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that being said, like, do you ever, like, this is the kind of level of extent that I usually do this stuff is I usually love watching movies, books, and video games. I love watching how they use a lot of the persuasion tactics and emotional builders in order to suck you in and keep you in that. I mean, like if you look at a great movie and see what laws they actually use in terms of storytelling, you can see exactly why it's going to be a success versus if it's going to be a flop mm-hmm. and why that is. I mean, do you ever do stuff like that at all? Or is it just like kind of like that you only just see it the work from the work perspective? I, I'm always, I'm always aware of that. I've had you know, like, like you mentioned with movies, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is how they did the plot, this is how they told the story. So that stuff has always fascinated me, and even more so uh, the more I think about it. One thing that I love sales presentations, I love, 
you know, hearing a pitch because I can, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing well, what I can learn from, what they could even do better. And so that's something that fascinates me as well. Anytime I read a sales letter, anytime I watch a sales video, I'm, I'm watching it for the content sometimes more so I'm watching it and trying to figure out why they did that. So that's that whole game of it. And it really, it really is a game. And again, to get the context right here, it's a highly ethical game because if the intention, the difference is, you know, if the intention is a positive one, if the intention is good for somebody, then you want to play the game to win. If the intention's not good, you shouldn't be in the game. Agreed. Very much agreed there. Actually, a game that you might actually like from... Uh, so that's, my, yeah. Like, a game that you might like from my earlier days in sales and, like, developing my techniques and stuff, we used to play this game called Pitch Me. What you would do is, uh, say you and I were in the middle of a conversation, and I urge everyone listening to the show to actually try this out, um, if you really want to increase your ability to close, is that you and your friends, or whoever it is that you're having a conversation with, they would, you'd have a conversation, out the blue, they, they would be allowed to say the words, pitch me. The moment they say the word pitch me, you got to stop what you're doing, turn to your friend, or whoever is around you, and just start pitching them. That's all it is, and you got to close them, and they got to give you objections. What this does, it helps you think on your feet. Okay, I I, I like it. I like it. Now now, you know you know what I'm gonna. Dude, I can barely hear you. You just cut out. Pitch me. Oh no, fair enough, cool. So if I was going to pitch you on something, let's see, because you have to make it completely. You have to make it up. So. The assumption here is that I know exactly what you love and you are totally into it. So, okay, here's the thing. If if you're the leading person teaching people how to create uh, leads and sales from LinkedIn, other platforms and medias around online, especially using social networks and such, what would you say would be the biggest problem that you come across? Getting people aware and getting getting in from the right people and having them understand what the value is and understand exactly how it works because there's a lot of misunderstanding. There are a lot of people out there who are talking about things that just absolutely aren't true. Okay, yeah, that's completely true. I, I appreciate that. Now, based on that exact truth that people misunderstand, uh, people do need educating how what's your actual content delivery like how do you deliver your content to ensure that you can educate people before they actually sign up and work with you well i do a number of different things across linkedin i make sure to publish articles i've also got posts that i post across linkedin and in my facebook group as well as well as do live facebook streams and even have a book coming out so all those different methods plus always looking to collaborate with people who have similar audiences who I can share that content with. Well, that's pretty cool. So if I was to actually go ahead and ask you right now, if I was to offer you something where we help you streamline everything by giving you an avenue through video marketing and podcasting in particular, and we scripted everything. So all these videos came out, not only do you have to, not only would you have to create them once, but we can show you how to repurpose every single thing that you do for the next three years. Would that be something of interest to you? Potentially. Okay, so what would be the potential, what would change that potentially to a yes? Well, I'd have to know more information, I'd have to know pricing, and I'd have to make sure it was the right fit for me. Exactly. So, and then of course, we'd go into the full close, which is everything else in between. But do you see <laughs> the idea of what I'm getting at? 
I, I love it, man. I love it. I think that's such a good exercise to stay, like you said, think on your feet. That's a huge thing. Yeah, and it's one of those. Uh, it's one of the things that really helps me when I'm writing copy as well, especially when I'm doing uh, one of my unique skills that I've picked up over the years is that you can ask me within a conversation. I can eventually just pick up what your tonal patterns are, and I can start writing copy as you. And verbalize it very quickly. Now, you mentioned you've got a book coming out, and I'm curious, what's your book titled? It's titled Disrupting LinkedIn, and the subtitle is The Definitive Guide to Generating Leads, Receiving Referrals, and Attracting High-End Clients Through Marketing on LinkedIn. That's pretty cool. So when is it due? I mean, are you still, you're still writing it at the present time. It's July, but do you have like a release date set in mind? I do. I'd like to get it released before August 19th and that it'll probably be a little bit sooner. And right now I'm actually not writing it. We're actually going through the final stages of the editing process. So it's it's pretty much a finished book. It's going to be about just getting it out there. That'll and that'll come out in August. Okay, so how would people actually find it? Because again, the show by the time people actually listen to the show, the book will be out. Um, so how would someone go ahead and find it? You cut you cut out there for a second. So could you repeat that? Oh, yeah. So by the time that this interview comes out and stuff, um, people are actually already would have it would be released. So where would people go ahead and how do you be able to find it? Would it be Amazon, personal website? What would be the best way? Well, it'll definitely be available on Amazon. People want to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm sure there's there will be a link to a specific website where they can go and learn more about the book. It'll be available on Amazon, though, for sure. That's pretty awesome. All right, so just quickly on like the whole title itself, have you read Jay Allen Samet's book, Disrupt Yourself? I have not. I've heard real good things about it, though. Yeah, Jay's a really cool dude. I mean, if there's anyone that I would recommend that you connect with, it's him. Just simply because mm -hmm. he's, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but like Jay actually disrupted the music industry back in the 2000s when they were going through a situation where everyone was downloading stuff illegally through LimeWire and torrents and stuff. Actually, it's before Torrance. It's like early stage P2P. Um, mm. So what he did was he basically took Sony and turned it on its head, like completely took it out of its own ass and started turning it into a sales business by um, showing people it's okay that they leaked our music. Now we've got to get them to come to the actual live event for our artists. It's really powerful mm. stuff. But kind of like backtracking a little bit here, what would you personally say was uh, one of the big influences in your life in how you think about sales and marketing because far too many people actually are terrified of selling. And you and I both know that's not exactly true. Selling is one of the best ethical things there is because without sales, nothing gets done. Mm. That's a great question. And so to answer that, the areas of influence, you know, I've read several books. I'll, I'll name a few here. Um, anything by Dan Kennedy is really, really good. So I'm sure, you know, being a direct response guy, you're familiar with Dan or I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you've yeah. heard of Dan. So all his his books are really good as far as his fun fundamentals and strategies and even beyond that. Um, Chet Holmes, he has a great book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. That's a really, really powerful book. And uh, there's, there's a lot of different books out there when it comes to uh, the art of influence and one, you know, as far as like sales strategy, as far as the the main frameworks, though, I'm I'm just starting to realize, man. I'll tell you, when I when I graduated from school, I had to figure out what I was going to do, and I started to realize that the opportunity and all the all the good things, what makes the world go round, the lifeblood of any organization, and really 
of any person, arguably, is the sales and marketing side, right? Without that, the world doesn't go round. If things aren't being sold and purchased, we don't have an economy. So I realize you want, I want to be at the core. I want to be at the lifeblood. And it's something that I truly enjoy. And once again, you know, people want to buy. They don't want, they don't want to feel like they're being sold. Uh, so, uh, just understanding that framework has been, has been absolutely huge and seeing the impact too, man, like, because everything we've enjoyed essentially, like you can say the best things in life are free. There's definitely some truth to that. At the same time, there's not you, because we, unless we invest into something, whether it's time, money, energy, or all three, we won't really appreciate, we won't really value things about human nature. I wonder if you agree with me on that. Oh, entirely. I mean, it's one of the best things that there is. Um, could you repeat the last bit as well? Because, like, I agree with you on the first bit. Like, like, you cut out right before you said, do you agree with me? Yeah, so un- until unless we invest in something, whether that's time, money, energy, or all three, then it, it's really difficult by human nature to truly value it. Now, people say the best things in life are free. At the, at the same time, there that may or may not be true. Most things, though, in my opinion, there has to be that level of investment. For someone to make that level of investment, they have to go through the process of what we call influence and persuasion. That's why it's so critical. Yeah, that I completely agree with you. Um, like, how did I put, uh, it took me a long time. Like, everyone has their different school. Like, some people paid for their coaches in order to get where they could be and they could happily afford to. Other people work their asses off and got really good at their craft and that's how they got their time in and again it's just all down to as you said investments where do you invest your time where do you invest your energy where do you invest your finances if you don't do it correctly then you're stuck in a rut and you're wondering how the hell did i get here start looking where your time investment is would you agree with that absolutely that's that's a huge thing the the time and the energy even before the money that's absolutely huge um because if you if those aren't being allocated in the ways that will best serve you and the ways that will best you best suit someone then they will get behind and that's that's why i think a lot of people end up really stuck and and we all and i'm not talking about just a rough couple days or you know whatever i'm talking about when people start to feel like they're permanently stuck or looking for a solution and we can even talk about it from a business standpoint a lot of companies start to feel stuck it's because they're not investing their resources in the right ways so for example just something really tangible here um, let's say a company invests hundred thousand dollars in advertising billboards and their return is almost almost nothing if they had reinvested those resources in other things, like for example, marketing on LinkedIn or Facebook advertising or direct mail, and if that was the better approach for their type of audience, they could have a tremendously better return on that investment. Agreed. It really is down to exactly where they put their allocate their resources. Um, there's a woman that I interviewed not too long ago who built her entire business to if I remember correctly, it was like she started off with a hundred like with ten thousand dollars and built it up to $3 million in the space of um, about a year or two. And the reason she managed to do that, in her words, was every time for every dollar that came in, she reinvested directly into a business. Every dollar that came in went right back into a business. And she said within a year, she had a massively successful business. And she was like, people aren't willing to invest that time in there. Once they see some money coming in, they'll start upgrading their life before they even have 
the ability to sustain the life they've started to upgrade. Hmm. That's that's a huge concept, and it's easy to do that, isn't it? It's oh, it's man. easy. It's easy. Um, yeah, that's that's huge. Being able to reinvest, and the other thing is the the manpower, right? Your time. Like, what's the better best way to invest your time? And I learned this from a mentor. Um, just the these a lot of people, even in business, spend time doing minimum wage activities, things that aren't necessarily going to produce the types of results they're looking for. For example. You know, if you if you're if you're in an office and you're you're make you're faxing your own papers or you spend an hour cleaning your desk, that's a completely useless waste of time. That's a terrible investment. Yep, agreed. And the place I actually learned that was John Carlton, um, amazing direct response copywriter and mentor when I was younger. Basically, taught me very very early on that if you can get someone else to do the work for you, while your job is to just make the money, that would be the best thing for your time and effort. You there? I think we've lost you. Hold on. Hmm. Wait one second. Sorry, guys. Just having a little bit of a uh, technical issue. So, guys, we're just going to quickly pause for a moment. We're going to try and get him back online. It's just a moment. Sorry about that. We yeah. just literally cut out, and then I was like, oh, I think we lost him. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I was just saying, it's essentially just one of those things where John Carlton taught me very early on. Like you said, it's um, understanding where your time is best spent. If your time is not spent doing the profit-building activities, well, guess what? No wonder you're actually struggling because all your time's going towards the minimum wage jobs that you can give someone else and take that stress off your mind. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And I'm a fan of too um i read it read his book a, a while back the guy is just a killer copywriter and i couldn't agree with that more you know and it's once the real thing the real name of the game is man having a system in place and that's a lot of it comes down to a lot of what i show people how to do with linkedin is you got to systematize it in fact one of the chapters in this book one of the is titled systematize or stagnate and i think it's so true especially with marketing, if you don't have systems in place or aren't working towards building systems, sooner or later, your business will stagnate. Yep. As uh, one of my old, like, I just love stuff like that because it's so true. You're only, in, you're, in, you're only in two stages at a time, stagnation or growth. And dude, seriously, you seem to be like really kicking ass with this, which is great to hear. So this leads me to my favorite question on the show, which is quite simply, when you were going through when you're going through like your build up to where you are today, what would you say was the biggest challenge you had that really knocked your confidence back? If there was one. Um, I'll, I can share a story. That'd be awesome. It's, so I was at a point when it, it was, it was pretty much in the early days where I was really running low on money. And what I had done I thought that advertising would be my my secret cure, right? And I think a lot of people think that too. So I spent a little bit of money. It was a lot to me at the time running Facebook ads. And they were somewhat effective. And I didn't really – I wasn't able to understand how powerful organic could be. And by organic, I mean all these different strategies that I teach and implement that generate leads and produce referrals and produce business um, that are sometimes much more effective than advertising. Sure, the ad it 
didn't quite realize just yet. The, and it was a fundamental thing. Anyway, so I was at a point, I was pretty, pretty short on cash and I had a meeting that day with a prospect and had an in-person meeting. He and I had actually met at an in-person event here in town. I live in Vegas. So uh, this was, this was here in Vegas and that day I was like really, really running low on funds where if I essentially didn't get the sale, I pr- wouldn't be able to pay rent. It was, it was, it was bad. It was bad. Right. So I was, so I went into this meeting and it was, it was at that point where, and you know, I had raised my prices too. So I was a little bit hesitant on him being able to pay that price because I used to charge a lot less. And so that's, that's an, another, another topic, the importance of getting paid what you're worth. And so he and I, we sat down and he was in, he ended up investing in the program and I was able to pay the rent. So that, that point right there was, was somewhat of a turning point where, you know, I realized one, I need to be charging more and two, this is, this will happen. So, uh, that, that point right there was, it was a really kind of, kind of a, a, a sweet spot for me where it was, it was that, that turning point where I knew I was going to make it and had it, I didn't, there wasn't even a thought in my mind that it wouldn't happen, you know, and yeah, it was, it was, it was that, that kind of point where, uh, I came to that, to that lesson. And so the, again, the, those are the two, two big lessons, uh, that, that kind of come from that point. And again, it's not like, and when, whenever I do these kind of shows or whenever people ask me those kind of questions, I always, I have this voice in the back of my head, you know, just to be transparent. It's like, I haven't really made it yet. It's not like I'm huge just yet and we all have different definitions of huge at the same time so i think like what really and we all have that imposter syndrome or saying well there's you know i haven't done this blank in sales yet or i haven't you know built whatever whatever that is and i think it's also great to realize and again another chapter in my book is congratulations you're an expert if you've committed to professionally doing something, you're going to know more than 99.99% of your prospects. And not sharing that information, not sharing that value is in itself unethical. So embracing that and moving past that upper limit is a big thing as well. And I know we've kind of been all over the place. So uh, I think think you you might have gotten the gist of it. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I get it. It's one of those very, very rare gems that you actually pick up and I I pick up from going through that because we've all been through that situation. Now, real quickly, as we're heading towards like the close of the show, I really want to ask you this in particular, and feel free to go into depth, make any recommendations really, or anything that you feel free to share. And that is, what three pieces of advice would you give to an entrepreneur that is either struggling in a situation like you were in, or someone that's hit a plateau in their business and feels like that it's becoming very samey? What three pieces of advice would you give them? Number one, look at your system. So the more systematized you can get, the quicker you can grow. Uh, number two is to just can continue and have that commitment, right? So make sure that you can stay committed and that you're staying on track and that you're also tracking what's working. So having inside that commitment, be committed to tracking things as well. That's not always the most enjoyable thing is tracking the results. You got to be able to track and see how well you're doing to have that honesty, right? And the third thing is really thinking about ways you can get leads and for without having to pay for them, right? So without having to spend big money on ads, right? And there's there's a ton of ways to do it. One of those ways is clearly LinkedIn. And if you're able to do that, right? If you, I don't care who you are, I don't care 
what the business is. If you have a hundred qualified leads who you get to sell to, you're going to make some sales. I mean, unless you're just absolutely an incompetent salesperson, even if you're average at sales, uh, that'll be a, a decent day. So making sure another thing is your pricing, right? That's one of those systems where, where you're charging enough to make it worth it, right? If you're, if you have $47 products and you make 10 sales and that you're still not, you're still not doing it very well versus if you have $50,000 products, then it's a whole, whole different story. So that's what it comes down to, man, like understanding the systems and that lifeblood of sales and marketing and figuring out ways to generate those leads and be able to, first of all, make sure that the conversations you're having are more quality and also be able to turn those leads into into sales. That's a big thing because that that creates the lifeblood, you know, cash cures a lot of things. Yep, that's very true. I mean, Gary Habit said that the, there is nothing on this planet that can't be cured with a good sales letter. With a good sales letter. Yeah, I love that quote. Yeah, so true, so true. Uh, but yeah, dude, thank you so much for actually taking the time to be here. I have to thank you for that greatly. But like, just to recap very quickly, because I do want to like, I want a summary of this, especially as a snapshot. So very quickly summarize what you just uh, the last three points. Or did you only do one of them because you cut out for a part of them for some reason? What's that? Well, for some reason, like, I just had you cut out for some weird reason on the playback. Um, you there? So, yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Awesome. But so very quickly, uh, check systems. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Raise prices. Did mm-hmm. you? Right. So what was the third one? Sorry. I'm really for some reason really kind of i've got to write shit down yeah so the systems uh the, the processes and then finding a way to make to increase sales through generating those leads and being able to do it without necessarily paying for them and um turning turning those into into sales so uh let's let's see if we can find a better way to put it i'm sure this is getting edited right yeah well no we're just going to straight up put it this way, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, we can do okay. a bit. we can do a little bit of editing. It's fine. Yeah, uh, all, all good, man. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of all over the place, and just uh, lead generation systems, the marketing and the sales, recommitting to that, and making sure that you you're able to stay on track and really maximize those um, investments into the types of leads that you're generating and into the process of turning them into clients. That's that's huge. Yeah, it really is. But dude, again, thank you so much for actually taking the time for being here because it's awesome and sharing all the information you have. Um, again, best place to find you is LinkedIn, right? Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook too. Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, linkleads.us slash quiz. You can take a free quiz. So yeah, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, You get on. There's a lot of different shows out there that are just question, question, question. This is a lot more free flowing, and you know I think we've been able to share a lot of great stuff here. Oh, most definitely. I really appreciate it. again, again you coming out. Hey guys, please go check out um, his book as soon as it comes out. Uh, it's Yakov uh, Savitsky. Mm, you got it. Yes, finally. Been trying to like figure that out for like last a little bit. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get it right. But check out his book. It's absolutely. It's gonna be amazing when it comes out. Just simply because a look at all the stuff that this guy's doing already right now and look at how you can apply it to your business right away because organic is another way that people seem to um leave out i mean just as a quick note as we end 
uh, people will tell you to buy advertising, but if you can organically produce the same stuff at the same level and now use an actual proven blueprint and actually understand from someone that has mastered it like you have, um, why wouldn't you? Take the shortcut, get to the end, get to the part of gold before everyone else does. Listen to this guy, find him on Facebook, stalk him if you have to, and uh, if you're a fellow podcaster, reach out to him and see if you can get him on your show as well. It's been, dude, it's been a genuine pleasure having you here. Absolutely. Pleasure being here. Love it. All right. Take care, guys. I'll see you on the next episode.